As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Today I have Mari Abreu with me from Omega Protective Concepts, and I have uh, I met Maury at a training course that I did, and he was there a, as an instructor, and he is a wealth of knowledge. He's an amazing guy. He's a family man, uh, a, a, another new dad on the way, like he's got a, another kid coming on the way, number six, so he um, is well-versed in, in the family life, spiritual man as well. He's just overall an amazing guy, and I knew um, that once I started the show, he was definitely somebody I wanted to have on the show because he's going to provide a tremendous amount of value to you guys. So Mari is the CEO and founder of Omega Protective Concepts. Mari served as a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. He was also selected as a close combat instructor, training Marines in all aspects of military combatives. He is a nationally published author for Paladin Press, sharing some of his knowledge and passion for knife combatives on Kelly McCann's sudden violence series, Edge Weapons Response to Violent Knife Attacks. He has also trained thousands of SWAT, law enforcement, military, and civilian clients, and is a certified instructor in extreme close quarter personal protection, use of force, military combatives, knife and firearm deployment, and defense. Uh, restraint and control, chemical sprays, baton, physical fitness, and boxing. <laughs> As you can see, this guy knows his stuff. So, Maury, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jim. Absolutely. Uh, that's quite a list of, uh, <laughs> I was actually going to say, tell, a little pe tell people a little bit about yourself, but that's quite a list of things um, to be uh, certified in and uh, proficient in. That's amazing. How long when did all of this start? When did your career start in all of this? Um, as far as teaching people how to protect themselves and uh, how to fight, I actually started as a teenager. Um, I came up uh, in the world of competitive boxing and I had a injury that um, kept me from training. So I couldn't stay out of the gym. Uh, boxing kept me out of the streets. So I started assisting my trainer and I really enjoyed teaching people. So I worked with the younger fighters, uh, went on to uh, later on in the Marine Corps, have an opportunity to actually 
uh, become a close combat instructor. And that's where I would say my legitimate training journey and teaching journey began, um, instructing uh, all uh, forms of people from various uh, law enforcement, military, civilian, uh, counterterrorism uh, backgrounds and equipping them for success against violence in every realm and uh, in every way. Wow. And so there's a, there's a big um, emphasis on knife combatives here in a lot of your introduction. And I also know we're going to be getting into briefly about a new blade that you guys have coming out. Omega has coming out. So, and I definitely want you to let everybody know about that, but I, I've always loved knives, blades, all of it. I can remember all the way back to when I was five years old, cutting them out of paper, coloring them black with like a red tip in like a Tonto style blade. And I don't know, I was a weird kid, but I just remember always having an appreciation for, for blades and knives. And it's a big focus for you. And that's actually one of the focuses that you covered in the training course that we were in together. So, uh, you know, is that, is that a norm in the Marine? Um, you know, I know they always say a Marine's best friend is a K bar, right. Or something like that. But is that the norm in the Marine life? Um, or is that something that you've always had an interest in and you gravitated towards learning more about edge weapons and fighting with blades? I would say both. Uh, the Marine Corps, what I love about the Marine Corps is um, it doesn't focus so much on the tool as much as it does the person using the tool and mm -hmm. really calibrating their mindset and their outlook. And then whatever you put in their hands, they're going to perform with. So um, the Marine Corps is really good about, uh, unless you're a sniper and you're talking about your sniper rifle, yes, you maintain your weapons. Weapons maintenance is a big thing. It's a religion in the Marine Corps, but it's not so much about coveting your weapon per se as it is as the person uh, having mastery of that tool. The tool is of no consequence. Um, as it relates to the knife uh, and, and knife culture, it is very prominent in the Marine Corps. Uh, my fascination with edge weapons started uh, when I was a boy. Um, everyone in my dad's side of the family uh, was prone to carrying knives for different reasons, uh, fill in the blank. So um, I was always fascinated with knives. I actually carried my knife. This is probably not something I should be telling people, but uh, <laughs> my kids will be hearing this. But uh, I started carrying a knife when I was five years old. Um, Did you really? And, uh, and um like a, a folding knife right no a fixed blade knife uh, a fixed blade knife at five years old yes so um where did was, you get uh, it i actually bought it at a flea market uh, my dad bought it for me and um i carried it my entire life uh up until i was a little bit older and could get something a little bit different but um and where yeah, did so you grow I, up where did you grow up i grew up in uh uh the communist uh people's republic of new jersey Okay. Wow. And, and the need to carry a blade at five years old was there, I guess. Well, I don't know so much that it was a need. My father did an excellent job and my mother did of protecting me from the environment I was being raised in, but the environment, uh, even though it's around you, sometimes it gets in you. You could apply that to, we could, we could do a podcast just on that. Right. Cause that applies to almost everything in life. But, sure. um, so I wouldn't say so much. It was for self-defense as much as it was my fascination for the use of knife um, and, and the multiple things that it can do from 
you know, being used for hunting, for butchering animals. Uh, uh, um, you know, we used to go to a slaughterhouse when I was a kid. And, you know, I'm a first generation American. My parents are farmers. Um, mm -hmm. And so they were used to going outside of their farm, uh, you know, on their farm, finding the animal of the day that they were going to uh, kill and cook. So, um, you know, I was I was in that realm also just exposed to the various ways that knives could be used really for good um, and to stop evil, obviously, in the sense of self-defense. Um, mm -hmm. Because like you said, it's a tool. I'm it's sorry. a tool. Because like you said in the beginning, it's it's a tool. Like when you were in the Marine Corps, it's not so much about the tool being used, but it's the person. But at the end of the day, a blade is a tool. Yes. So like you're saying, using it for good as opposed to something else. Yes. I got to, uh, I was raised in a pretty interesting corner and uh, in my town. And, and um, I got to witness uh, quite a bit of violence as a boy. I was raised on the second floor of a three-floor uh, three family house and from my porch because I was not allowed to go outside uh, for almost my entire childhood due to the uh, prevailing, uh, you know, there was a lot of violence and, um, you know, uh, I got to see a lot of things and, uh, you know, the worst of the worst criminals like to hang out under the bridge uh, mm -hmm. where I lived and uh, I got to see some of these things play out. Um, they weren't very pleasant, but they were uh, an education. And, uh, um, and, 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 you know, uh, one of my mentors, Kelly McCann, says, we, uh, you know, we're all a product of our experience. Um, I just happen to have a certain set of experiences that maybe someone else does or doesn't have. Right. Wow. And how old were you when you were exposed to all that kind of stuff? Oh, boy. Four, five, six. That's when it started. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, speaking of blades, um, I'm looking at this one and I've seen it numerous times in your videos on Instagram, but tell everybody a little bit about the Omega B1 blade. Um, sure. The Omega B1 blade was a, uh, a, a concept that I had uh, come up with actually about a decade ago. And uh, I was involved with a training company and I... Uh, um, ultimately became their lead instructor and created the program for their instructor certification process and the academic process of how do you teach instructors to train instructors and certify instructors. Mm -hmm. And in that vein, I was working with a lot of uh, uh, local and state uh, law enforcement folks, and they wanted um, me to make a blade, uh, design a blade for them. And that's kind of where it started. Um, and uh, from there, eventually, I, I did design one. We went through a couple of series of uh, prototypes and ended up with what we have now, um, which is a truly, you know, it's a badass blade. Uh, it looks great, but more importantly, um, when you put it in your hands, it locks into your hand, which is really what you want. A lot of folks concentrate on the look and the shine, and, and, I, and I get that. Um, but what I wanted a knife was whether you held it in a standard grip, ice pick grip, saber grip, um, that it would lock into your hand and yeah. you can do the business, whatever that may be, uh, and have something that you can count on when you need it the most, something that was as large as possible and still, uh, able to be concealed and that can be used in a, uh, or carried in a multitude of different ways. So that was the idea behind the. Uh, the Omega B1. I actually designed that blade 
grip first. I, I, I concentrated on the grip because there's a lot of great knives out there that the grip is lacking uh, or when you use it, especially if you use it for real, your hand's going to slip and you're going to uh, injure yourself, which is not the idea of using a weapon mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in a self-defense uh, scenario. So um, it's a little bit of the background on the uh, on the Omega B1. Uh, I'm blessed. There's an article being written as we speak uh, that's going to be featured uh, in Knives Illustrated here soon. I believe their next um, publication. So for the folks that want to learn more about that, besides going on our website, they can uh, go ahead and pick up. I believe it's going to be the very next uh, Knives Illustrated magazine uh, publication. Wow. Congratulations. That's a big deal for you guys. Yeah, it is. It's a blessing and I'm, and I'm very grateful. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no, it's really no surprise though. I mean, you look at the blade on this thing and the curve of this thing, it really is badass looking. I mean, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to mess with somebody who pulled, who whipped this out, especially if they knew, you know, a little bit of what they were doing with it. Right. Um, and then as a thruster, I mean, it's got that little, that, that like curve up on it. I don't know if you call that a recurve, but it's got like that curve up. And I just feel like if you're going, up with that you're saying holding in the forward grip position if you're thrusting with that that's going to do some damage yeah it was uh so the blade was designed for both thrusting and slashing uh people in uh in the knife industry um especially uh the folks that train with knives for the purpose of you know offensive use of knife um they're really set in their ways um and you have people that treat one grip as the grip and folks that use the other grip as their grip so what i wanted was something that uh, would work whether you were going to stab or you were going to slash um being fascinated with a grip i mean i do have preferred weapons um you know i am more confident with some weapons than i am with others but the reality is the bad guy gets a vote you can be in unfamiliar terrain you can be stripped of the weapon that you're used to carrying so uh, i designed the blade that if you were to pick it up in a hasty fashion in a dynamic fashion regardless of how you gripped it it would work mm -hmm. uh, reverse grip or standard grip hammer grip um and that you could use it for stabbing or use it for slashing yeah Awesome. And I see that it's made in the USA and, you know, I know I, I want to get into the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today, but you got just so much good stuff going on. I don't want to miss it, but I want to just, you know, give a shout out to you uh, for getting some of the proceeds directly towards King's Ransom Foundation. Yeah. And I know something that that's something near and dear to your heart. So if, if people don't know what the King's Ransom Foundation is, maybe you just briefly touch on that and then we'll kind of kind of get into it. Absolutely. So um, the first person I want to give a shout out to is my uh, the person I always tell my wife, I want her to adopt me as my I want her to be my mother. Uh, uh, my mother passed away a few years ago. So her name is Danny Johnson. She's a highly successful uh, entrepreneur and uh, uh, business coach and uh, highly influential person in my life and in my wife's life. Uh, I was introduced to her via business and little did I know how profoundly she would impact my household um, and she teaches a number of things. And one of the things that um, I learned from her was um, I learned about King's Ransom Foundation and uh, King's Ransom Foundation is an organization that does a number of things. Um, 
the specific arena that I have uh, made, you know, uh, King Francis Foundation, our charity arm, Omega Protective Concepts charity arm, deals with freeing children from modern-day slavery, which is uh, in the sex trade. Um, it is the third most prolific source of criminal income, only behind the sale of drugs and firearms is the sale of children for sex. Um, this is not third world stuff. It's uh, abhorrent. It's repugnant. No one wants to talk about it. Most people don't have uh, what it takes to even kind of process that. Um, it's not... Uh, if regardless of the demographic or the income, uh, they're targeting young children and they are trafficking them out. Uh, New Jersey, actually Atlantic City region, is one of the most prominent uh, uh, deportation sites uh, uh, um, before they're sent abroad. So uh, long story short, wow. I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, equipping people for success against violence. Um, these children are helpless. Uh, I trust this organization. 100%. Um, every penny of every dollar that is donated to them goes to their end cause. It does not go to running the foundation or fattening the pockets of the CEO so he could fly a helicopter from here to there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the staff is paid for by a private uh, donor who is a God-fearing man and wants to do the right thing. Um, so I stand behind them in that, in that regard. And um, so what we've done uh, with Omega Protective Concepts is I made a decision that 10% of every penny, uh, of every dollar uh, that we make goes to King's Ransom Foundation. So every class we teach, every private session we teach, which we do quite a bit of now, um, every product that we sell, which right now is the B1, we're soon releasing a, a new everyday carry tool. Um, so 10% of that we give directly to King's Ransom and uh, we collect our funds and about every quarter or every six months, whatever we've made, we take 10% and we make our donation to them. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations yeah. on that. And I, I uh, applaud you for that. Um, and if anybody listening wants to support that, I mean, you know, we're talking about the blade real quick, but you know, it's, it's a handmade custom blade made in the US and it's supporting such a great cause. So you're not only protecting yourself, your family, your loved ones, but now you're also helping other people in the world that might be losing their children to such a horrible industry. So um, I'm going to put put a link to the website, but it's omegaprotectiveconcepts.com. And then you can go to forward slash store, or there's a tab right on the website on the right-hand side labeled store. It'll take you right there to see the blade and, and really anything else that you guys have coming up, right? Uh, right. And, events and all that stuff. So, yeah. And also, um, so, uh, as far as donating, if you never plan or intend on taking a class with Omega or ever purchasing a product, that's fine. You can go to our mission and you can donate directly to King's Ransom, uh, to King's Ransom under the, our mission tab mm -hmm. and, um, and help change someone's world. Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys are listening, please make sure you go and do that. Um, you know, you could be making a huge, huge impact on not just, you know, someone's family and their child, but just the entire world. So um, awesome. Well, Maury, let's get into what we were here to talk about today. And that is raising the next generation for success. And then diving in even a little deeper into that is the value of self-defense for today's man 
as a protector of his flock. Let's get let's get into this because I am so excited to hear what you have to say and share on these on these couple topics. So, you know, where do you want to start with? Let, let's let's get into what you feel like is the key or or the next step in raising the next generation for success. Great, thank you. So, um, I think there's a number of things. I don't I don't like to say the first thing or the most important thing because everybody's situation may vary a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the concept, actually the title, and I highly recommend every parent pick up the book today, uh, written by Danny Johnson, my coach and mentor. Uh, I want to give credit where it's due and where I get a lot of this from a lot of this stuff we already know is just not packaged in a way that's digestible and in a way that we feel, you know, we could kind of have an example to point at in this scenario, I could do this and here's why. And here is, you know, the concept of reaping and sowing. Um, it's been, it's been uh, changed. I'll use that word um, to kind of not go off topic into things like karma and what we put into the universe. These are all, all these things, by the way, all of them uh, come from the book that I base all my decisions on my financial decisions on how I run my business, how I run my household, how I run my family, how I communicate. I fail, by the way, daily, sometimes hourly at doing it that way. Um, but these are all biblical principles. So this is a concept of reaping and sowing, of planting good seed and good soil and seeing, um, you know, what you reap from that harvest. And so this idea of raising the next generation for success uh, it's actually the title of that book that Danny wrote. And um, there's a number of ways to do that. Uh, I think mindset is really big. Um, it's crucial. Um, if you're a business person, if you're a parent, if you're a human being on this planet and you don't have a medium for recalibrating your mindset daily, um, you probably want to start thinking about that. How you do that, I don't know. Um, you know, there's different ways and however you do it is your way and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, have a set of priorities that I have written down and when I follow them, my life is going in a certain direction when I veer from them and I will confess with transparency that I do at times it shows up in my life, reaping and sowing. So, um, a championship mindset I think is really important for yourself, for your spouse, and for your children, uh, your children are watching you. They hear everything. Um, a lot of times when my wife and I will speak Spanish, uh, when we don't want the kids to know something, they know what we're saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even if they had maybe haven't mastered the language. So your kids yeah. are watching you. They're watching your interactions. They're watching how you treat your spouse. You're treating yeah. the way that you speak to your daughters and the way that you speak to your spouse as a man in front of your daughters, you're starting an education process. They're going to repeat what they see. They're going to see what's acceptable behavior from a man that is eventually involved in their life. And, and they go on to be, you know, uh, one with All uh, right. your sons. If for those of you that are fathers of sons are watching what that behavior is supposed to look like. So uh, the championship mindset starts with your behavior. And it also starts uh, with conversations with your children, giving them small examples based on what they could handle on their maturity level in their age as to um, 
there's a way to do things and there's a way not to do things. In the end, all of us, every person breathing on this earth right now, we must weigh the cost of our actions versus our inactions. And only you can weigh that. No one else can weigh it for you. Um, so championship mindset, calibrating that mindset daily, um, having a routine, whether it's, you know, family meetings or uh, for me as, you know, I'm an adult, I'm in my 40s now, I wake up, I read the good book. I'm not very good at sitting down and reading um, because I have, um, it's not the, the method in which I, I consume information uh, the best. So I actually do a lot of what we're doing right now. Someone's going to listen to this podcast. I have the Bible app and I listen to the Bible as I'm driving to work and I have a reading plan. And that's how I kind of consume that. Then I'll consume something on mindset. Um, Gary V, everybody knows who he is, right? Awesome <laughs> person, whether you're in business or not for calibrating the mindset, if you could get over yourself and the fact that he uses four letter words, stop being so sensitive. Mm -hmm. uh, the world is the world. You still have to be able to live and operate in this world and take the good that you can from it. Discard uh, what maybe isn't for you. He's excellent. Um, there's an app that I've been sharing with people. It's called Pep Talk um, and highly recommend it. They have short little four, five, eight minute uh, audio recordings on motivational things and mindset topics. Um, oh, that's cool. I've never heard of that. High, highly recommend it. Someone like you that's, you know, a successful business owner, you're training clients, you're looking to inspire people to better themselves physically. And as a result, you know what comes when you're, you know, physical, excuse me, healthy minds reside in healthy bodies. And you know that as mm -hmm. a physical fitness uh, um, in, instructor and trainer. So um, it's a really good app and it helps you in the realm of, you know, staying motivated, staying focused. The world is negative. Um, that's the reality. But you don't want to be a contributor to that negativity. And um, if you don't equip yourself and protect yourself from um, the environment that you're going to walk into, whether it's daily at a job that you probably, uh, you know, have to deal with some level of negativity with uh, uh, um, or whatever, it may be family. Sometimes it's um, people really close to you. You have to filter that stuff out because you are not going to live um, to your highest potential if you don't discern. Discerning yeah. doesn't mean you cut people out of your life and you never talk to them and never help them. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you got to watch how much you plug into that. So uh, championship mindset for uh, as far as raising the next generation for success and really just your behavior. Look at your actions. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. You don't need me or anyone to dictate that to you. Um, you know, people wonder why the world is where it is right now. And there's a number of reasons. We'll go back to reaping and sowing. We didn't just get here in the last 10 to 15 years, this drastic shift in society where the fringe is being celebrated as the norm, where, uh, you know, professing your faith or um, being open about your thoughts and not being in direct alignment with or agreement with uh someone's lifestyle all of a sudden makes you this uh intolerant human being and then you're basically the devil's brother i don't know you know how we actually i do know how we got here we lower our standards we accepted this under the concept of um 
of being tolerant. And now our children are very confused because they're getting one message in the household and the world is giving them a different message. So uh, it's very important to continue to communicate, continue to be grounded in doing the right thing, giving the right messages to our children. They watch everything we do. And um, also equipping them to operate in the world, not to be finger pointers, not to judge people, to accept people where they are and still not necessarily indulge in what they're indulging in. They can love them and keep it moving. But that all boils down to discernment. Again, your kids are watching you. Who are your friends? Who are you talking to? Um, what are you watching at night? And they're watching you watch. What are you consuming? Because they're consuming it too. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about the negativity because you know, you're right. It is everywhere. And uh, the research shows that 90% of people's thoughts on a daily basis are to be negative in nature. I mean, 90% of what people are thinking are negative in nature. And it's just, it, it becomes habitual, right? It's the law of facilitation where basically the law of facilitation says that, you know, when you activate one pathway, it's easier to activate it on subsequent times. So if you just, if you think one negative thought, it's going to be easier for you to think two, three, four, five, and then, you know, all the way up from there. So, and, and, you know, you hear all these like little sayings throughout life, I feel like, and they have different meanings as we become different people because we're constantly changing. We're constantly learning. And so you hear, you always hear the, the phrase misery loves company, but I feel like as you get older, you really see how true that is. And you can almost, especially if you start to work on yourself and you start to notice how, you know, you're trying to be more positive and then you get around people that don't, that maybe haven't done that type of work on themselves. And you're seeing how they just love sitting in that negativity. And then somebody else might come into their, you know, into their space or in their energy and they just tap into that energy and they just sit there with it. And then they're both, you know, in this little pool of, of negative negativity. Yeah. So, and then the other thing you touched on, which I'd like you to speak further into is that you're saying that, you know, the kids are getting one message in the household, but then they're going out and they're getting a different message out in the real world. What did you mean by that? Well, like what, what message are they getting at home? And then what, what is the conflicting message out there? Well, I can speak for my home. I can't speak for others' homes. Um, typically, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, you know, we're trying to teach them a message of, so I have a profound relationship with my God. Um, some people don't. Uh, if you want to meet mine, hit me up. I'll introduce you to him later. Um, uh, so that, you know, with that comes a certain uh set of ideals, a certain set of standards, a certain way of treating people. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the certain level of respect for the parents, if you're living in the household, being accountable, uh, um, and in the world, what do we have? We don't have accountability. Accountability doesn't exist mm -hmm. uh, in many realms, including if you work for the government, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about, except in some some areas, uh, uh, but it's crept itself even into the military, into federal law enforcement. Um, everybody, everybody gets a trophy. So in the household, you're holding your I'm holding my children accountable. They get treated according to, um, you know, uh, uh, they have to earn things. And then you go out to the world and they're not earning things. They're expected to having it be given it. Right. Right. So, uh, there are people that have spoken profoundly and much more eloquently than I can on that. But that's one of the examples of how 
the kids get a certain message in the household, then they go out to the world, and it's the complete antithesis of the of the message they receive from their parents. So now our children are confused, right? Um, so that's a example of they're receiving one message here and a different message there. And we could go on, uh, you know, at length about other examples on that as well. Sure, sure. No, that's a, no, that's a um, great example, though. You know, everything yeah, goes, right. uh, everything goes, uh, anything, uh, anything that um, is good and noble and pure is looked at as old fashioned. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm not getting too specific because I don't I want to I want to open people's brains. I don't want to uh, I don't want to do what everybody does on social media, which is a lot of times talk a lot of shit because they can do that behind their keyboard or there's so much on one side than the other that there is no conversation. And without communication, there can never be any clarity. Right. I so like that. yep. so so that's that's just a fact. So the professional, the person that has a high level of leadership, they understand that. So they can speak truth in a way that can be digested. And then you get into more detail as as necessary. So, um, you know, uh, things like morality, things like, um, you know, uh, um, purity. Um, there is it is it is, uh, you know, the message that our children hopefully will follow in the household. Uh, sometimes it, that's not what they're going to get in the world. Everything goes. But if you have something that's based on faith uh, is based on Christian principles. The world is going to attack you in every way, shape or fashion. They have, uh, you know, prepositioned uh, um, responses on how they're going to deal with you. They're going to make you and identify you as the fringe, as the intolerant, simply because not that you're speaking against necessarily even what they believe, but for professing what you believe. It's rampant and um, you have to be really of strong you have to be a really strong character to be able to deal with that in today's world. And, um, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, we might actually have to do a round two of, the, of this conversation because you talked about communication. And then we're also talking about what's going on in society. And we're looking at, you know, you mentioned social media before. You know, social media on the impact of communication in society with so many people's heads in their phones and on these you know, devices, it's just, it's crazy. And, and, and some people, you know, they argue, well, you know, don't you think it's the next step in our evolution? And I'm like, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know if I can say with certainty that it's actually a good thing. You know, I think tech, certain technological advances are a good thing, but, you know, you look at the, the negative effects that cell phones have on people, on the cells of the body and the, you know, the water in the body. I mean, people, everybody's experiences i feel like you know i'm actually using a headset right now because i can't stand having my phone up to my ear but i think most people have had the experience of holding their cell phone up to their ear during a conversation and being on the phone long enough for their to feel their ear get hot and if you've ever had that experience what's happening is basically you're microwaving the water inside of your ears and some people don't realize that so they have to switch to the other ear but there's so much concentrated uh levels of electromagnetic frequency and radiation going into the ear that it's literally microwaving it like you would you know put a cup of water inside of a microwave and and microwave the water to heat it up it's the same technology it's the same signals that are being used so but you talk about you know what's happening in the society with communication i just 
something's got to give. Like, I, I don't know if there's a bubble being built up from all this stuff and it's going to burst eventually or what that would look like, but I don't know. Something's got to give. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned electronics and um, what's raising our children. So people talk, people have a lot of conversations with me about business and, and time management and prioritization. And so um, I, I kind of point them towards equity. And we're all somewhat familiar with equity in the form of finances. Um, you know, we understand if you have more money, you can buy more things. And that's pretty much the only thing you will ever learn in the American education system as far as money. Our children aren't given, for the most part, unless they're homeschooled, any courses on how to save money, how to invest money, how to... Uh, create wealth mm -hmm. uh, wealth is identified to us via what we see in the media and social both social media and uh, the reality shows um, you know they have more cars they have more houses they have all this stuff what they have is um, a broken life mm -hmm. they're depressed they got a lot of things kinds of uh, drugs to keep them functional um, and their children are, uh, you know, raised under that umbrella. And then they go on to just at a younger age, start the same behavior that their parents started. So I don't know that that's the kind of wealth I want my, my, uh, me and mine to have. So in the sense of equity, I say, well, you know, you can work for someone and make them rich. Uh, and you can convince yourself you're doing the right thing under the uh, story you've been told that you're providing a service or you are serving and obviously there are things that uh, are actually that and you should do them law enforcement and military both of which I am in or have been in and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly but I go on to say um, time and profound relationships are two of the most overlooked forms of equity there are multiple forms of equity um, so as, as it relates to being a father and a spouse, um, the quality of the time that you're spending with the people you're raising in your household with your spouse and building a profound relationship with them, not being their friend mm -hmm. so that you then don't have to be a parent which is, that's a newer thing too. We want to be our, ki our kids' friends. Right. Um, that's a whole discussion in itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and, and, I, and I feel, like, there, I feel like there's actually a medium there too. I feel like you can yeah. not, not be labeled as a friend, but you yeah. can have a good relationship where you could Absolutely. be buddies Absolutely. together. And because, because there's that level of respect, like you Absolutely. would have with a buddy and there's that trust and that open level of communication that you would have with a friend. Absolutely. But, then there's also that level of, okay, it, it's a step further than that because this is my parent or this is my child. And, sure. you, you know, but yeah, but then you have people like you're saying before on the other end of the spectrum and sure. it's got to be friend or nothing. You know, sure. I, I, yeah. Sure. And to the folks that, that would be take, if you're taking offense to any of these things, I, I would, I would ask someone to say, stop and ask yourself, why does this sound out of the box for you? Right. Sure. So, so um, being a, your kid's friend and having that be the go-to, I want to just kind of delve into that a little bit, having that be the go-to or the default posture of how you go about raising your children 
my question to you is how's that working out for you and ask that question to yourself how's that working out for you and if your kid's not a teen yet then you probably don't rate answering that question talk to me once they get to their teenage years yeah um, right <laughs> uh, so so you know you know lastly on on the on the sen- on the uh, um topic of equity and and time and profound relationship you're not going to build a profound relationship if you're a dictator with your child that's not what i'm saying um what i'm saying is that we need to teach our children and they need to understand and we need to approach them as they're not just quote our children they are your legacy not for pride not for ego for making this world a better place right um we like to concentrate and i get it on who's in the white house i get it the person there now the person before him i will ask whoever lives in that life whoever um idolizes their news channel and consuming that form of media my question to you is how's that working out for you mm-hmm. how has that changed you your family your income your mindset your personality your attitude your faith i think you know what the answer is to that so right um while some are concentrating who's in the white house and they are stuck there with their picket signs right because you know it's it's never just others are concentrating on who's in their house i concentrate on who's in maury abreu's house right because you know it's never just them watching the show and then turning it off and never talking about it again there's always something attached to that there's emotion attached to that sure there's an argument there's a debate there's anger there's frustration and all of that is you know relatively shown in the household and that's exactly what you're talking about that the kids are observing so then the kids are going to say oh okay well this is a really important topic and it seems like it's pretty important because he's getting really aggravated or she's getting really aggravated about it so yeah it's (laughs) and you know the joke is in the house like I, i think i'm actually a little too detached but i you know i usually find out things three five days later a week later and people are like dude what you didn't see that on the news i'm like i don't watch the news you know what i mean i see things pop up on my phone on cnn because i have alerts for cnn or fox or you know whatever and and that's another thing you know then that's a whole other debate so you're talking about the news then it's you know well which news station do you watch which one do you consume like oh well you can't listen to them they're they're left wing or right wing or this and that and i'm just like holy shit you know i don't care it's just the news i just want to find out what's going on like i don't i don't care you know but it's you talk about the news. I mean, that's a whole other topic of conversation. It's just so amazing because people are just so enthralled with it. And, you know, I've talked about it in other podcasts with other people. It's like, you know, I can't have a conversation about news and I can't have a conversation about sports. Yeah. You know, I enjoy watching my home team, but I don't know everybody's stats. I don't know everybody on the team. I don't care about anybody else on any other team. Uh, you know, they're not following me and what I'm doing. And I'm not saying like, you know, that they have to for me to follow them, but it's just people have such visceral responses yeah. from games and from players getting traded and who they're picking up here and there. And I'm just like, why are you letting yourself? Cause they are, they're letting themselves and they're choosing to do it. Why are you letting yourself get that affected? And sure. you know, what else could you be doing? What else could you be focusing on? Yeah. You know, playing with your kids, maybe spending time with your, your family, you know, not being at the bar. Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? But I just, 
you know, I, I am very family oriented. I always have been, and I really do appreciate that time. And so, you know, when you were mentioning before in the very beginning of this conversation is that, you know, what are we doing to, you know, kind of connect with our family and, and uh, allow to figure out what's going and what's not working. We actually do that at the dinner table. We talk about what's going good. You know, how was our day? What didn't go so good? And we talk about that and, and how, um, you know, easy it might be to, you know, turn on the television while we're watching TV, you know, and sometimes my son wants to do that. And the way our house is laid out, it's very, you know, you could see the television from the dining room, but it's just, you know, we're encouraging him at a young age, like, no, this is family time. And if we're done talking and things like that, and we've actually accomplished something or had a really good connecting conversation, then maybe we could put something on, you know, towards the very end of dinner or something like that. Um, you know, but, but then again, it's, it's positive. We're not just throwing the news on. It might be something that's funny that we can all laugh at and, um, you know, and then we're, we're getting to connect over that too. So yeah, yeah. All, all good stuff, man. All good stuff. That's excellent. Jim, you know, you, you understand the equity of time and a profound relationship with your family. And, mm -hmm. um, you asked before about, well, give an example of, you know, what's being taught in the household and what's being taught in the world. Um, the value of marriage is probably one of the, uh, most prominent things. Um, uh, when people hear me say that, I know where their mind goes. I know exactly they're going to the lifestyle and, um, I'm not, I won't even honor them by getting into that. Cause that's not where I'm going, uh, um, at all. This is not a finger pointing contest because before I point a finger at anybody, I really need to point it at myself. And I can tell you when I do that, I see a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. so, so I'll say that, which is what gives you the freedom to speak openly about things. It's like, no, man, I'm jacked up too. Just. Um, I'm working on stuff too, man, you know, but why don't we work on this together and try to find a set of standards and principles to where we're walking in a good direction where we know if we do this, if we sow this seed, we're going to reap a good harvest. We know that because time history, um, and the good book tells you so that's why, you know, uh, so the value of marriage is, um, you know, the divorce rate, I just, uh, heard some stats 57 percent 57 percent so we before we get into you know the weeds of things and really deep into something the structure the foundation in the household is broken mm -hmm. at a, you know at a very high percentage and um the divorce rate amongst pastors is no better than secular folks or people of faith or whoever. So, you know, we really need to start looking at this and saying, wow, we might want to do something different. And that's one of the things I concentrate on raising our children. You know, uh, uh, I am divorced. So this is not a hypocrisy thing. This is I've, I'm living and walking this out. Uh -huh. um, I know I know what the consequences of that is. I just had a conversation with my little kids on this topic two days ago. Um, so when you ask about, well, what do you mean by that? That's a, that's probably the biggest example, the value of relationships, the value of standards, the value of doing things in an honorable way of integrity, of finishing what you started, um, is offensive really to many in today's world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it kind of, kind of reminds me of, you know, when we were, when you were teaching the class that I was in and one of the things that was really driven home a lot throughout the weekend was, you know, principles never change, but 
tactics and techniques can change, right? So the principles of communication, of trust, of respect, those are the things that I feel like are missing a lot of the times because I, I do not come from a, a family that's, um, you know, has divorced, you know, at least my, my parents are still together, but people within my family are divorced and the people within my wife's family are divorced. So I see some of it, but I've never actually truly lived it, um, you know, from when I was a kid. But the thing is, is that, you know, you hear about some of the situations and I just always go back to the principles and I'm thinking, all right, well, what was missing? Was it the yeah. respect? Was it the lack of communication? Was it the trust? And was it all these things? Yeah. Because those are the things that are never going to change. And, you know, with, with how people are so busy in today's uh, day and age. And I see this as a coach because I'm talking to people and people always put themselves on the back burner. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, for every finger that you're pointing, you have to look at yourself too, because they say for every finger pointing forward, there's three pointing back at you. And that's really just kind of, you know, if you make a fist and you point your finger forward, your middle ring and pinky fingers are technically facing you, right? They're pointing back at you. So for every finger you point forward, you have three pointing back at you. So you really have to look at yourself and start there and start focusing on how negative you're being, how your communication is coming across, how you're trusting. And then if everybody were to do that, what would that do to that 57%? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, you, you, you think about that and that's like, put that in your smoke, uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Like people should really try to wrap their heads around that. And if they could, if they could change 1% of themselves, what would that do to the whole population of people? Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and so I, I think this is kind of a good segue and, and we're talking about a lot here, which, which I, I love, and I think is great. And, and I hope everybody listening is getting a ton out of this. But the thing is like, when you're talking about setting that example, the other thing I mentioned before that we were going to get into, it was the value of self-defense in today's man as the protector of his flock. And I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of men having that focus. And I feel like there is a big value for it, but I, I hope you're going to be able to speak into this and really sh shift people's mindset. That's because, you know, the, the people or the kids that we're raising today, I'm going to just put it out there and say it. I just feel like it, they're soft, you know, and it's, there's definitely going to be an exception. I'm not saying everybody, right. Because there's always going to, there's going to be people out there that are doing, that are raising their kids you know, the way I'm raising my son and the way you're raising your kids. And, you know, we're the like-minded people, but are we the, are we the minority? Are we the majority of the people? You know, and I don't know what those statistics are, but you see, you know, you see and observe some things and the way, at least that I've seen some kids walk all over their parents and, you know, people that I know, people that I don't know, which is what you observe when you're out, out in the real world. And I'm just like, wow, you know? And so I, I hope, some of this was actually going to tie into to, to that, what, what you have to share about the value of self-defense for, for today's man, because he is the protector of his family, of his flock, as you say. Yeah. So Jim, absolutely. So, you know, here's the deal. Um, even with the messaging, um, I remember, I remember as a younger man thinking or hearing people talk about the agenda or an agenda and I questioned them. I mocked them. I was like, what are you talking about? The world can't be that organized. And as I walked things out and experienced some things, I realized eh, I was a little naive. Um, violence is a real thing. It exists everywhere. 
everywhere. Doesn't matter where you're raised, it's prominent in some areas over others, but um, it can come to your doorstep wherever you are, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the value of self-defense for the for today's man as a protector of his flock, that is your assigned role. That is not a uh, anti-feminist statement. So don't allow yourself to be lied to or to be manipulated by the fringe because what they're promoting is a lie. Um, you know, uh, your job as the man is to lead your family. You're the king, she's the queen, and you run your kingdom together. And I'll speak for myself, I need my queen big time. She is someone I rely on heavily for mm-hmm. counsel, for, uh, you know, for just communicating about things that I don't trust anyone else with. So this is not about uh, elevating yourself by knocking someone down. It's actually a form of edification. Someone needs to be assigned the lead role. Yeah. Uh, are there some phenomenal, phenomenal single mothers that are mothers and dads and raise amazing children? Absolutely. I can. I know of many examples. Um, I don't know that that's what the design was. And then my question again is, how's that working out for us as a society, mm-hmm. fatherless children? So we got to understand our role as men first, embrace it, understand it. We're protectors. And that is not in any way, again, shape or fashion, um, uh, uh, demeaning or diminishing of the role of your wife as a spouse. That's the first thing. The second thing is evil exists everywhere. So you should be able to have some training in mindness, excuse me, mindset, awareness, and self-defense. Where you take that is up to you, right? But right. You, you need to have that because it exists. To live in denial and pretend it doesn't happen, um, you know, when, if God forbid, violence were to come to your doorstep, you're not going to be able to protect the people that you say and profess to love the most. The way we show love is by being able to protect the things that we love, by investing in the things that we love. So I say, you know, learning self-defense is a form of investment in protecting the very things that you love. It's a logical step. Um, so regardless of the redefining of roles uh, for man attempted over the last recent periods of our history, um, we have to look at logic. You got to use good sense and judgment. You know, uh-huh. um, my wife is a very strong woman uh, in every sense of the words, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually. She's been through a lot in her life. She has been jumped. She's been attacked with knives. She has done a no bullshit real firearm disarm against a significantly larger man um, that was pointing a firearm at her brother. So my wife definitely has the one thing that I try to share with my clients and really get them to get is we're going to go over techniques and that's awesome. And people will be fascinated with concentrating on the techniques and we'll put it on social media and it's going to be awesome or not. And it's going to be critiqued or it's going to be embraced. It really doesn't, it doesn't mean shit at the end. Mm -hmm. What 
let me give that some context. If you don't have fight in you, it doesn't matter what technique you have. So um, as far as uh, defining roles and understanding that, that's, that's awesome. I mean, she is someone that I trust uh, during something, uh, you know, going down. Um, however, she'll, if she were to walk into the room right now, she'd tell you if something were to go down, she's going to look to me first because mm-hmm. I am the man. Right. So for those that want to be offended by that, that's fine. It's, that's great. Uh, but I'm telling you, that's the opinion of a woman that's a very independent, highly successful before she met me, had it all going on and understands the role of that. And why does that role get... Uh, you know, acknowledge because I edify and acknowledge my wife in the things she brings to the table and vice versa. So um, we got to understand our roles. As a man, you're to, you are the one that never leaves the one behind. So if you have loved ones, it is your responsibility to be able to cover them and protect them in a time of violence. The world is I don't know that the world is getting more violent. I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Um, I, I don't know that. Um, you know, if you read the Bible and they say things like the city was put to the sword, it's a very uh, palatable way of saying every single human being in that city was killed with an edged weapon, including children and women. Right. So I don't know that we've become more barbaric or more violent. I, I, I don't know that. I think we've become, uh, you know, more connected with information, which does not mean we have more knowledge. It just means we know more stuff. Right. Um, so um, the reality is, though, you know, the forms of attacks are changing. Right. So whether it's an active shooter or a mass uh, violent event, uh, explosives, someone renting a car at U-Haul or getting a U-Haul or a rental car in a van and running over a large number of people. That's happening now globally, right? Yeah, um, so, happened in London, right? Uh, that, sure. that example, and then they got out and started stopping people. Sure, sure, exactly. So these are things that are happening. We can't be in denial, so we have to prepare. We don't prepare by being in denial. Denial is not a survival tactic. It never has been. Open a book, read a little history. The folks have tried the denial thing. I want you to tell me or ask yourself, how did that work out for them? That's how I analyze almost everything. I put my prejudgments down. Uh, If I don't check myself, I can be a highly judgmental person. And I look at, well, what happened here? And how did that work out? Well, I think even today's FBI would call that a coup. So I I take that into consideration and I build my response based on that. Um, And so... um, well, yeah, you're basing I, it off of results. You know what yeah. I mean? You're, you're basing it off of results. It's like, if it's working, then, you, you know, success leaves clues, as, as people say, uh, you know, today. You know, success leaves clues. So if it's working, then there you go. If it's not working, then there's feedback. It's all feedback. And whether it's good feedback or bad feedback, you know, you, you know, when you were saying, like, I hope people aren't getting offended or if they're getting offended, you have to look at that. But you know what? It's just, it's feedback. And if it's, if someone is getting offended for them, that's more feedback for them and why are they choosing to get offended by something that you might be saying or you know is it is it possibly because it's true right do you need to focus on that a little bit more 
you know, the biggest thing I hear people saying with this is, well, why do I have to train self-defense? Why do I have to learn how to use this? Why do I have to know, you know, why, why should I carry a gun or why should I have a gun in the house? You know, it's never going to happen to me. And then the, the response is to get the, to get the attention away from themselves of, of thinking, well, I don't have to do anything. They're just being paranoid. Yeah. And I, that's, that's what irks me the most. It's like yeah. nobody is talking about being paranoid. I'm not looking over my shoulder thinking that, the, you know, someone's after me all the time. You know, like, like uh, we were just watching the, the one of the Bourne movies the other day. I, I love the, the Bourne series, Jason Bourne. And it's like, you know, I'm not looking over my shoulder wondering who's watching me and all this stuff. It's just I'm living my life. But the thing is that <clears throat> if something happens, then I'm prepared. Right. And, and the, the simplest way I chalk this up to everyday people that might not have that mindset, as I say, well, do you only put your seatbelt on on the days you don't want to get into an accident? Like, you know, why do you put your seatbelt on just in case you ever get in an accident? God forbid. And I understand, you know, there's probably going to be people that are out there like, well, sometimes people, you know, sometimes seatbelt cause uh, more damage than they do good. All right. I get that. If it's a really bad you know, collision or something like that. I've heard of people getting like, you know, sawed in half by their seatbelt. But for the most part, they say, put your seatbelt on because it could prevent you being thrown around the car or whatever it is, your kid in the back seat. You know, like, it's not about being paranoid. Right. Right. You, you know, um, so we have a role and, and I think I can kind of, I can kind of uh, summarize this and it's, it's very fitting because the name of your podcast is Warrior Dad. So let's talk about in the context of today's man uh, and his need to have self-defense training for his flock. Okay. The man is and has always been a warrior. Now, what does that mean? I'll define warrior the way it was defined for me years ago um, by one of my mentors, uh, Frank Bricky. I highly recommend everyone should have a mentor or two. You should have someone that's lived this life longer than you have, has seen more things than you have, and should have someone that they can go to and bounce things off of. And so I'll define warrior, right? So the warrior has two attributes, strength and compassion. And this fits perfectly with the, with the warrior dad concept and, and beyond. Strength and compassion. So what is being concentrated on today is the compassion part and being loving and being open with your feelings, etc. Those are actually not in and of themselves bad things. They actually lead to good mental, psychological, and emotional health long term. So I think we understand the compassion part. I think we understand that we have an obligation to love our children, to tell them whether our fathers did or did not, to tell them that we love them, to tell them what value they are to us in our life, to speak words that are seed, right? Words are seed that we plant and tell them, here's, you know, and we edify them, not making things up, but we acknowledge what their strengths are and we coach them through their developmental needs. All of that is compassion, coming home, pulling out the chair, you know, uh, uh, for your wife, opening doors, that's all good, noble, chivalrous stuff we should be doing that mm -hmm. it actually helps you blend in and be the gray man it's all very smart it's good tradecraft the other part 
that we need to look at is strength. The warrior has physical, mental, emotional, psychological, relational, every form of strength. You have to have the strength. So the warrior has two parts, strength and compassion. You cannot just have one or else you need, you require a recalibration. You're off. You have to have both. We all know people that are so switched on. They, they live in the red and they burn out and they retire from a law enforcement job and they have a heart attack three, three years later because they've identified so much with their job title and they place that, we talked about prioritization previously, over their main title of husband and father. So uh, I think if the modern day warrior, if the warrior dad looks at both attributes, strength and compassion and finds a balance in both and appreciates both and prioritizes both in that learning self-defense to love those he is compassionate about is a logical uh, progression. Plus you're also, you know, it's pretty active too. <laughs> I mean, you're getting a workout, so you're also doing something good for your health. And of course you're also working out your mind too, because you're pushing yourself and seeing what you're able to accomplish and how far you're willing to go. So you know, I always like to think of every workout I do, whether it's a combative type workout or, you know, just a, a regular, you know, flipping a tire and hitting with a sledgehammer or deadlifts or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm working my mind. I'm also working my body. So, you know, you're not just gaining a skill, but you're also doing something good for your mind and your overall health too. Yeah. Absolutely. And then if you need to ever use that skill, and what you've learned, now you're prepared because I, I also feel like it's, you know, you have to train for those particular situations too. And that really gets in on the health and wellness side. You know, I mean, you know, you want to be a warrior, you know, I, I love what you said about strength and compassion and, you know, but you have that physical strength, you have that skill. Well, you have to develop that skill and continue with it, right? Cause just because you might go to one seminar or you go to a couple classes doesn't mean you're, you know, you're Bruce Lee, right? You can always be honing that skill, sharpening that skill, and then also eating the right foods taking care of your body because if you're overweight and you have no energy then i mean yeah you'll you know you'll have a little bit of an adrenaline rush in that particular moment but how much better could you have performed or how much easier would it have been to handle yourself or to do whatever you needed to do in that particular situation if you were actually taking care of your vessel right you know your, yeah. your, your, the, the fuel that we put, we're putting in our body the, what we're focusing on what our fitness is like all those kinds of things. So yeah, yeah. I love that, man. I love it. Yeah, man. So, um, so before, before we let you go, um, I end every show with some questions for our guests, which were inspired by James Lipton and Bernard Pivot. So I have a couple questions for you. Uh, it's 10 to be exact. Who is your hero? Oh, who's my hero? That's a great question. Hmm. I like David in the Bible. Okay. David was uh, one of the least likely of his brothers, the least likely of his brothers, and ended up being a tremendous leader and warrior, and uh, eventually uh, just an amazing character. Uh, um, I would say David is definitely one of my heroes. Uh, um, he is, 
I like the underdog a lot. Um, you know, I, I know raised in, I know uh, the type of parenting I received. God bless my parents. No judgment. Parents are not issued instruction manuals on how to raise their children. Mm-hmm. Um, I really root for the underdog. And uh, so, yeah, I would say David from the Bible, King David. Awesome. What excites you? Um, I'm excited about teaching people how to protect themselves from violence. I mean, it, it, it's, if I wasn't married and I didn't have children and thank God that I do, that's the biggest blessing in my life. Um, it's, it's something that just runs through my veins and my thoughts and, and, and every cell in my body. Um, I am always super excited. I've been teaching for a very long time. I've been blessed to have teach, you know, to have taught really many, many, many people. And anytime I'm doing a course, um, you know, I almost can't sleep the night before. I, I just, I just want to get there. And, 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 and I, I'm so passionate about sharing the information I have that I've been blessed to have had shared with me, nice. uh, especially knowing that the value that comes with teaching something that is accessible under high levels of stress and the rest, and that they need, uh, you know, when it's needed most and that actually works. Um, yeah. Uh, so to follow up on that, what turns you off? Um, weak mindset. Um, okay. People that uh, volunteer daily to become victims and perpetuate a victim mentality and a victim mindset. Okay. What is your favorite sound? My favorite sound? I'm sorry. Yeah. Favorite my sound. Favorite, my favorite sound is hearing my kids call me Poppy. <laughs> what is your least favorite sound? Uh, my least favorite sound. Um, oof. Let me think. <laughs> uh, hearing people complain. Okay. What is your favorite quote or saying? Know yourself and seek self-improvement. I like that. In one word, what should a dad be? A warrior. Nice. In one word, what should a dad not be? Um, I'm trying to think of how I'd say it in one word. Should not be a... uh, Uh, should not be negative. Negative. Good. If you could choose any other profession in life or try any other profession in life, what would it be? <laughs> um, be a rock star. There you go. And finally, what would you like to be remembered for? Being a good principled man uh, that knew his weaknesses and always sought self-improvement. Awesome. I love that. Maury, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody can find you at omegaprotectiveconcepts.com. And then where else? Uh, Social media, Instagram, right? Omega Protective Concepts, both of those places as well? Yes, all of the above. All the above. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. We talked about a lot of stuff. This is going to be a great episode. I can't wait to push this out. Um, Everybody, please go check out Maury and Omega Protective Concepts. He's doing amazing, amazing things. Uh, you know, he puts a lot of thought and love into his courses, into his products, and really into his mission. I mean, you hear some of the the, the people that he's supporting out there, um, and it's you know he's doing it because of such 
you know, the good man that he is. So Maury, thank you again. And uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a round two and talk about some of those other things that we were, uh, that we touched on earlier. All right, brother. Thank you. Wish you the best as well. Thanks, man. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a warrior dad.